Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, I'm Tom, and I make a podcast where I log in to celebrities' Amazon accounts. It's called... What a brilliant idea for a pod. There's no original pods out there anymore, but this genuinely is. Oh, thanks, Ben Bailey-Smith. Anyway, it's called... This is good, isn't it? It's clever, this podcast. You should do more. Thanks, Kerry Godleyman. It's called... This is such a great idea, by the way. What great podcast. Shappy Corsander, you're too kind. The podcast is but called... it's biographical. You can get all sorts of information out of people. This is a very good idea. Thank you, Nick Helm. It's called My Mate Bought a Toaster. I'm going to listen to this podcast. Thanks, Alex Horn. Can you tell your friends? The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Hello, I'm John Holmes. It's the The One Show Show, the podcast that puts TV's The One Show on the slab and performs an autopsy on selected shows in the hope that one day science will be able to prevent it. Joining me to wield the bone saw this week, then, Mark Haynes and Alex Sivright. So let's talk. Let's talk about uh, Jimmy Carr, shall we? Because mm. Jimmy Carr was mm. uh, the guest with Matt Goss from Bros. This was Harry back presenting, but with Lauren Laverne. Hello and welcome to your Friday One Show. I'm making her One Show sofa debut. It's Lauren Laverne. <gasps> Can't believe I'm here, Harry Judge. It was almost like, well, this is what a professional presenter can do. It was a worry for me, where I thought, are we entering a new era of the One Show being competent? Yeah, <laughs> that is uh, unsettling for us. Let me make it clear. But it, what's weird is it gets it gets more professional, but I don't think the show gets any better. It's still, no. it's still not much fun. The difference is you've got someone professional pulling you through the horrors, haven't yeah, you? Uh, yeah. And, and, and who knows when to move on and how to get out of situations yeah, and without was, you really noticing. Yeah. You could really tell, actually, how good Lauren is at things like voiceover. So the actual packages, she was really good on the actual, you know, here's a pub landlord from the Pennines. And she just has a lovely voice and it sounded immediately 20 times more professional than it has done in the last sort of six weeks just by having someone who is decent at that job that they've been given. Yeah, this was uh, the episode, as I say, with Matt Goss and, and Jimmy Carr, which was just it was just a very awkward... I don't think anyone other than Lauren would have handled this very well because Jimmy Carr would not shut up or let anybody have their own moment. He had to be in on everybody's time. And Matt Goss, I yeah. mean, his face didn't, didn't move, did it? It was, no, it was a strange... the camera. Yeah, yeah like thousand sort of yards of stare that he had. With his, <laughs> his little eyes as well. Like yeah. a, he, He's not warm or nice in any way he was actually he actually said a line that, that is sort of homophobic as well which is a first for you know i think us watching it where a guest comes on and tries to be funny and then says something a sort of bit off color when they'd sort of started they were saying to jimmy carr you've got actually a bit of a musical background yourself haven't you 
And Matt Goss lent, you know, Jimmy Carr said, well, I used to be the bass player in, in Bross, playing off the fact that Craig, of course, uh, as Smash Hits used to call him, Ken, was entirely yeah. anonymous. It could have been Jimmy Carr, ha ha. Uh, and Matt Goss just turned to him and went, I heard you play the organ. Yeah, I was actually the bassist in Bross. Were you? Uh, yeah, a lot of people don't know that. Did Matt know well, this? I've not seen him in years. I heard you play the organ very well. Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. Sort of yeah, low-level homophobia. I, I think it was just... a little mime as well, didn't he? Did he do the mime? The or did I imagine it? I think he did a little mime from the crotch. Honestly, don't know what he meant back. by that. I think it was oh. just a, ah, ha, ha. I heard, I heard you're gay. Ah. Oh, <laughs> good one, Matt. Fantastic <laughs> work. 30 years in America, back to Britain, comes back, first line, on telly, homophobic. <laughs> What I a think success. that Ross documentary was scripted or something, doesn't it? Yeah. He was strange and unsettling. When he spoke, it sounded quite normal, but he just looked like he'd been carved out of, like, softwood or a sort of desiccated fruit, just sitting there <laughs> looking sort of unsettling and weird. Um, it really was. But then, fruit. because he was wearing a, a, a rock star-style leather jacket oh. that had the microphone on it... <laughs> Every time he moved his arms, because his face didn't move, it would just squeak through under yeah. everything he was saying. And we 77,000 people and still the youngest man in, in history. And uh, it's just one of those venues that because if you're a football fan as well, yeah. and you just there, uh, and, and, and you have people on the pitch and that, and you're just there, it's like... And I was trying to look up whether I it was a jacket sure or his jacket. face making that noise <laughs> exactly. as his skin moved across his skull. <laughs> <laughs> I, I loved I loved it because it had the feeling that underneath his coat might have been a Spanish galleon just creaking its way <laughs> across <laughs> across the South Seas. And just you know, I take a loaf of bread. I look a bit like a very eccentric human being. Just I've got my loaf of bread, feeding the birds, and it's just you know you really miss it when you're in the states. Everything in this city. Especially, just looks back at you and just. It that was such a strange sound. Oh, again, it just <laughs> speaks of the one show isn't a very professional place to broadcast television. <laughs> but you know, someone's clothes made too much noise. <laughs> but someone would have said to him, "Surely, someone in tech would have gone." Um, sorry, we're gonna. Can you guys take your jacket off? Because it sounds absolutely awful. Of course, yeah. Matt Goss or his people would have gone. Mister Goss isn't taking off his jacket, so they just had to live with it. Yeah, it's just like really. Absol- the thing is, did they only have Matt Goss on to detract from the fact that Jimmy Carr's face has started not to move now, <laughs> and his hairline's come forward? Well, <laughs> Jimmy Carr looks really weird as well. He's talked. He's, he's talked quite openly about how he's had work done during the lockdown yeah. period. You know what I thought. I actually thought he was working hard on this and we've talked about this before about some people come in and they come on to try and lift the show and they tend to get quite short shrift and I thought this was a good example of that. He's on, and I think he has that thing of going, people expect me to be fun, you know, entertaining, and I'm going to lift this in some way, and hopefully someone will get a laugh out of it. And then they ask him questions that are like, oh, so, you know, you had your big tax thing, of course, where the Prime Minister, David Cameron, broke yeah. off at the G20 to personally criticise you. Now, Jimmy, you, you talk about the highs in the book, but you do also tackle some of the lows, including what was going on behind the scenes of a very public personal tax scandal, where- Oh, yeah. Even I the mean, Prime Minister described your financial arrangements as morally reprehensible. Yeah, I mean, when, when, when he's saying that, you know you're in trouble. And it's a bit like, I mean, lads, keep it light. 
You know, yeah. we, well, they say no. I disagree because this was a this was a this was a Lauren question, mm. and sometimes mm. we we are critical when when we go. Well, there's a thing in their lives that you're not mentioning on the one show because it's all too frothy. But so when Lauren just turned to him and said, "Your tax affairs have been described as morally reprehensible <laughs> on the one show," I was like, "Wow, but, this but is new." That question sagged entirely into a bit where it went, and you also write very tenderly about losing your mum <laughs> and your close <laughs> yeah. friend Sean Locke. Well. And you also write very tenderly about losing your mum, which was beautiful to read, you know, your thoughts and memories about her. And, and more recently, you've also paid tribute to your close friend and colleague, Sean Locke, who passed away over the summer. Yeah, I mean, very recently. And it, yeah, it's a weird thing, grief, because it's I don't think people talk about it enough. And I thought there were too many things they were going for there in an attempt to basically get a line in the mirror. You know, Jimmy Carr says or this, that, the other. And it just seemed too much bleakness in one tiny little question. I thought it was a yeah. bit harsh. I really did. He was trying in the same way that Richard Osman did. And, you know, regardless of how you feel about them, at least they're coming on and being pros. And they both got cut dead a bit. There was a missed opportunity, though, when... Um, I mean, first of all, things we learned this week. Mm. Jimmy Carr did backing vocals for Ed Sheeran. Yeah, I, d- I don't understand yeah. the world anymore. What? I, I don't... I don't. I, they also didn't really explain what it was. I couldn't work out no. whether it was a gag. They played a clip, didn't they, of something that you couldn't hear Jimmy Carr on anyway, of an Ed Sheeran. I've done backing vocals recently. You I have? Did, I did backing vocals for... I'm on this. Who's this for? This is Ed Sheeran. It's a, you sung with Ed Sheeran. Yeah. This is you. Hang on. I mean, on this, I'm somewhere in the midst. I'm quite low in the midst. They brought you down a bit there. Well, do you know just... what though? That's musical genius. That's the producers doing what they're paid to do. I was like, well, hang on, you need to explain this because is that famous? Do, are we supposed to know that that Jimmy Carr mm. did? Like, was it Comic Relief or something? I don't. But there was no explanation. And then he just said, "Oh, can't wait for the PRS checks." And that was a missed opportunity because nobody went. You're going to put them offshore, Jimmy, which is what they should have said. <laughs> <laughs> they'd also done that thing of, of earlier on when they'd got Lauren. They were like, "Oh, Lauren's a proper star," and so they'd found out that she'd been. To the Bond premiere. Here you had the hottest ticket in town, the Bond premiere. I did earlier this week. It was fantastic. I was so super keen. It was extremely uncool. This is a bit embarrassing. This is me and Mr. Laverne, literally the first in the entire Royal Albert Hall to watch the (laughs) film. We were the first people in. And they had a photo of her and Mr. Laverne, you know, in the the Royal Albert Hall, excited and everything. And that's the sort of thing that they obviously really want because it's a bit of content and it makes it seem glamorous and exciting. What they immediately did there was they were like, and look who turned up in the best dress of the night. It was... Uh, the Duchess of Sussex. Um, and obviously we were in our tuxes there, as yes. you could see, but Frock of the Night went to the Duchess of Cambridge's stunning gold dress. I mean, is that a surprise that she turns up in the best dress, considering she's a member of, what, the most elite family in the world? <laughs> you know? <laughs> but was... then there was another... They threw in the, the little snippet there, and they went, oh, and later, um, Chris Packham's on the show, and his sister designed that dress yeah. for the Bond premiere. And you go, whoa, 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 back up. But Frock of the Night went to the Duchess of Cambridge's stunning gold dress designed by Jenny Packham, the sister of one of our guests tonight, Chris Packham. What? Yeah. Chris Packham's sister did what? And that never and came then that up was just gone. Oh, look, it's, I, I don't mind the dress because, you know, it's nice to see the royal family spending money on stuff that isn't defence lawyers. You know, if they're going <laughs> to spend our money, we might as well get to see something nice, you know, although 
I mean, Prince Andrew going to jail would be brilliant. I'd would be, would be nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it was, I don't know, it always makes me think of North Korea. It makes me think of Kim Jong-in. When, when we're surprised the Duchess of Sussex has turned up looking lovely. Uh, well, of course. Of course she fucking has. There was a, a bit when they introduced Matt Goss right at the beginning as well, which was just after the dress part, when it was like, we've got Matt Goss here. And th- there was no reaction. Because normally we're back now to hearing sort of the cameramen laughing or whatever, you know, sort of joining in a little bit off screen as they were doing with Jimmy Carr and sort of laughing at his jokes or whatever. Mm. And then Matt Goss is on the show, big build-up, and then it was the most underwhelming no reaction at all. And if that wasn't enough, we'll be joined in the studio by singer-songwriter and one half of Pop Sensation. It's Matt Goss. Mm-hmm. Here he is. Can I get a Ruo? <laughs> it was a bit I mean, Matt sad. Goss didn't help matters by saying he brought up Princess Diana. I, I was lucky enough to meet Princess Diana, which was an incredible... Wow. We, had, we had lunch and... It was an incredible At lunch? Where'd you take yeah. it to lunch? So, uh, local, Nando's? Little, little greasy spoon down the road. <laughs> and it was, uh, but it was a beautiful, it was a beautiful experience. Yeah, that was great, that, the, when they're talking about the, yeah. the royals, because Jimmy Carr told his anecdote about when he met the Queen and mm. said, oh, that reminds me, I need to buy some stamps and that thing, you know, and all that mm. stuff. Yeah. Um, and then they tried to bring Matt Goss in, he said, oh, I once had lunch with Princess Diana. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, my, all I was, I didn't really hear the rest of that, because I was thinking... Your face doesn't move. How did you chew anything? <laughs> <laughs> he did say he was a royalist again and again, which, you know, you, you sort of go, that's a bit of a strange thing to say until you remember that for the last 30 years, he hasn't lived in Britain. He's been in America and they, they have an entirely sort of different view of how it all is. He, he looked like Jude Law playing a rock star in a Guy Ritchie film about a rock star <laughs> who gets kidnapped in a drug deal gone wrong. He just looked weird. He looked like he smelt. There was something really unsavoury <laughs> about him. Um, I loved it when they said, who would, you, who would your dream duet be with? He, he had no hesitation. Adele. And I've got one from uh, Jack Howes. Matt, he says, who would you most like to duet with? I think Adele, really, as a, as a soul boy, mm. as a soul singer. Just, uh, I just, you know, I'd love to... I've always wanted to sing with... Uh, do a, a duet and just, uh, I think, Adele. Adele. Yeah. Yeah. Irrelevant Adele. Relevant, big selling, <laughs> transform my life Adele. Jimmy Carr's name dropping was quite something as well. I quite enjoyed mm. that in his anecdote where he managed to get... Who was it he got in there? He got, obviously, the Queen. Yep. Um, Cheryl yeah. Cole, uh, uh, yeah. Prince William and Prince Harry all in the same room. Yeah. Uh, and Because he went to some party at, at Buckingham Palace, like all tax avoiders do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and, but it was, it was quite the sort of, oh, ding, here's another... Ding! And another one. Yeah. Cheryl Colt. Ding! But I had to perform like in front of the Queen. Mm. So we just like did this line to open. I went, oh, it was great to be here. We're all really excited backstage, but a little bit nervous. Because what's the etiquette? Yeah. You know, we get to meet the royalty later on. What's the etiquette? And then I looked at the Queen and just went, just call me Mr Carr. <laughs> <laughs> She's like a passably funny line and it didn't offend anyone. Great. So we're at the party later on, like in, in the pal- in Buckingham Palace, getting hammered. Having a, having a brilliant time. Sure. Well, I went up to sort of Prince Harry and said, because Prince Harry had just done this interview going, no one wants to be my girlfriend. I mean, he was single at the time. Yeah. No one wants to be my girlfriend because no one wants the pressure. And I was, I was going, yeah, because famously girls don't want to be princesses. <laughs> sure. And then I'd been teasing Cheryl Cole all day. Yeah. And so I went, Harry, would you mind, just as a gag, I've been teasing Cheryl all day that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to matchmake you two. Would you mind coming over? And he went, yeah, great, have it. Amazing. Of course, he had the last laugh. It turns out it was quite a lot of pressure being his wife. <laughs> I think Cheryl dodged a bullet there. That is high stakes there. there. And, then, and then, so I'm standing at the party, and I'm drunk, and with a Mrs. Great, I get a tap on my shoulder, and I go, right, no problem at all. I'm out. I didn't belong here in the first place. I'm a chancer. 
get and tap my shoulder, and I turn around, it's Prince William, and he goes, Mr. Carr. <laughs> But oh there was, the, I mean, there is an odd thing because you know, John, very well that I, I am a, an ardent Republican and I go on about it <laughs> boringly and at length whenever it comes up. But I did watch these, these two shows and I'm like, there's a lot of positive royal stuff in here that as a Republican, I am really acutely aware of when it pops up. And I haven't seen any for donkey's years. And suddenly over yeah. these two shows, there's loads of look at the, the, the royals who are helping save the world and look at the beautiful royal who's gone to see the film. And yeah. here's a funny story about, you know, when I got to meet the royals. And I'm like, are, are, is yeah. this a PR thing? Is, is <laughs> there a, so, someone's had a casual chat with the BBC and said, can we start making like the, the ones that aren't toxic? seem like they're good blokes <laughs> and as soon as i see that i'm just like oh all the quizlings here talking about how wonderful her majesty is oh <laughs> creepy and weird i hadn't noticed it but now you've said it oh yeah you're absolutely right i can't wait for next full week of that stuff. can't wait for next week to see what wonderful <laughs> scientific breakthrough has been made by princess michael of kent <laughs> even on a budget quality is non-negotiable that's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Love football? Can't wait for the season to hit its stride? Salivate over Super Sunday. Well, this podcast is probably not for you. If, however, you're tired of the hype, but part of you still loves the game, you could try the famous sloping pitch from Great Big Owl. With Chris England, Nick Hancock and guests, the famous sloping pitch, it's a podcast about football, not market traders. Let's talk about water, because there was a film, uh, one show film, where they'd gone to a pub in the, was it the, the Peak District? Yeah. Yes. Um, uh, where a, a man who was running a pub and had problems doing so, of course, during lockdown, had discovered that the spring water in his back garden, mm. uh, they've got a borehole, uh, was described as the best, healthiest, tastiest spring water. So he'd, he'd installed a bottling plant yeah. in, in, his, in the back of the pub and was making all his money selling water to local restaurants. Like other local properties, the Crag Inn is not attached to Maine's water. Its supply comes from its own borehole round the back. 
When Doran Binder bought it in 2016, little did he realise he was sitting on top of a surprising revenue stream. You know, an enterprising story. But I was just thinking, as I always do with restaurants and what, just drink tap water. I know. And Why was, are you paying £3.50 for that? He was talking as well about how eco-friendly it all is. If it is good, then I would want to put it in reusable glass bottles, making sure that everything we do as a business is as environmentally friendly as we can be. You've got an industrial bottle, think. I mean, let's turn on your tap. Everybody has a tap, and it's full of water. And, you know, people have done a lot of work to make sure that water is absolutely fine for you. The other thing I really liked about it is when they were talking about how good the water was, it was just shitting it down with rain. And (laughs) if you're a local restaurant and you want some of the water from that area, I mean, literally just get a saucepan and put it on the floor. You know, (laughs) there it is. Jake, as a local business owner, why have you switched to stocking this spring water? Um, it's within 20 miles of all our restaurants and also we are reusing all the bottles so the environmental side is huge for us. We basically haven't delivered full, now we're getting up to 100% of the empty bottles back to the crag. Um, that, that started off that little segment with Lauren throwing to it by saying, now, if you're a pub landlord, and I was like, that is, that is not universal. Now, if you're a pub landlord and you discover water in the cellar, that is usually not a good sign. Not many people are going to go, oh, this one's for me, better listen. Bad. I mean, I've got oh. a well in my garden. Uh, and you know, I wouldn't trust it at all. You could dead be... badgers in it. Yeah, there's there's evil down there. I know there is. And you... He's just struck lucky. <laughs> yeah, you could be getting sixteen thousand bottles of dead badger water out a week. There'll be someone who'll buy, buy it. Someone will yeah, buy, buy it. And Jimmy Carr was asking what the ingredients were, but no one did say dead badger. So that's what gives it its unique taste: <laughs> the rotting carcass of a mammal. <laughs> uh, and Chris Packham. So Chris Packham was on with his stepdaughter mm. Um, mm. Meg, uh, and they were they, they've done a new program. Of course, they have where they're travelling around Britain of course they are uh, as <laughs> stepfather and daughter talking about wildlife and, and having a sort of you know the, the what's become the, the gone fishing chat musing on life yeah that, that they've been been doing together and that was quite interesting at the beginning when they said to her so did you know did your stepdad because she said well I met Chris when I was two and yet he did help with my my love of nature really I was into it but, he, but certainly having Chris Packham help with my love of nature I was thinking yes and your burgeoning career as a television presenter I yeah. imagine because <laughs> that's how that's worked time now to welcome Chris and and Megan, who are here to tell us all about their brand new wildlife series. But for those of you that don't know, Megan, you are actually Chris's stepdaughter. And I'm assuming it would be fair to say that he can take responsibility for your love of nature. Yeah, I think so. I met Chris when I was two and it definitely probably helped foster that natural curiosity for the environment. Uh, that, 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 that nepotism. I mean, if this was a company rather than a television show. I mean, I mean look, if it was someone who made COVID tests... And it turned out their stepdaughter was brought on with no experience in the field. You would call for yeah. them both to be sacked. I, I know. I know that television presenting is not an art. You don't have to struggle at a coal face to become a TV presenter. Literally, anyone can and does become well, one. As, as the one show keep proving. Yeah. To us. Yeah. But I find it a little bit unsettling, especially when it's on the BBC. When it is just me and my family member go and do this. It's just a bit weird. I liked as well the fact yeah. that they were going around. And they were talking about how wonderful nature was, and they were in an electric car. But Meg let slip that they did spend every night in a hotel. 
There was no yes. there was no sleeping out. It was good fun. We had an electric camper van, uh, which we took to every far corner of the UK. And it did really well. I mean, you have to plan out, of course, your electric charging stations and everything. But uh, we did stay in hotels. We didn't stay in it overnight, but it provided great kind of escape. And, There's and- a shot of them, wasn't there, sitting outside this electric camper van, you know, uh, overlooking uh, uh, the Lake District or something in a, in a, in a valley. Mm. Uh, and then as we were looking at that picture, more or less, she just said, yeah, we oh, we didn't stay in that. No, 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 we stayed in hotels. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that's very environmentally friendly then, isn't it? Uh, As soon as you see there's a chink in the in the in the actual sort of presentation of that, my first question would have been, how much were you both paid? And I reckon she'd have immediately answered. (laughs) 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 Uh, I felt sorry for them, though, because they seem to be being held in a captive Zoom holding area for the whole show until they were needed. Yeah, they did do that with them. Yeah, they did did force them to stay. Yeah, it's become more of a standard thing. Yeah. Yeah. And they throw them Uh, crumbs of hope by sort of, you know, instead of them just going, well, I had to wait there for 20 minutes before they brought me on. They will mm. cut to them throughout the show to ensure they are still sitting there and having to watch Paying the attention. entire show. Yeah. yeah. Still to come tonight, we're going to be chatting more with Jimmy and Matt and we'll be joined by a wild, wildlife expert, Chris Packham, and his stepdaughter and co-star, Megan McCubbin. That's how you get a captain. Like Jimmy, Jimmy Carr obviously zoned out at one point, didn't he? Because they, were, they showed a clip where they were looking at a yeah. white-tailed eagle, but a, a juvenile. Mm. And so its tails were, tail was brown, hadn't gone white yet, which was mentioned in the clip of the film about why it wasn't a white-tailed eagle yet. Oh, up to the left, to the left, big. White-tailed. It's massive, isn't it? And the wings are really rectangular. What a thing. Amazing. And of course, if it's the adult, you can see the white. But that's a juvenile, so it's brown. And then it came back to Jimmy Carr, who went, I've got a wildlife question. Why has the white-tailed eagle got a brown tail? Yeah. <laughs> and literally, the whole studio turned to him and just went, because it's a juvenile. They leapt on him, didn't they? They really they leapt did, on they, him. He's not, wow. My question is, the white-tailed eagle yes. does not have a white tail. Not yet. Brown. Not yet. It's a juvenile. It's a, it's juvenile. a, it's a brown, Jimmy. white-tailed eagle. Yes. A brown, white-tailed eagle. Sure Chris, is. Chris, Megan, thank you both so much. <laughs> all I, on all it, yeah. I'm trying to do is have a bit of fun, everyone. There is no <laughs> need to pile in on me. Um, this This show did have the best video that we watched in the entire two show run though didn't it which was uh, Adabanji in a paint factory. Adabanji Alade has sketched and painted his whole life and now he's making it his mission to get everyone else involved and where better to start than at a paint factory in Northumberland. Oh no I'm annoyed with them though I mean because the the link wasn't as good as it could have been they didn't go well from Matt Goss to Matt Gloss. Oh, perfect. <laughs> that is really oh, good. didn't do it. Oh, annoying. Uh, Adabanji, oh. they no longer are billing as the one show's resident artist, which they did on the previous two occasions we've seen him. He seems to have obviously yeah. said, I don't, don't really want that accolade. Um, <laughs> Thanks, I'll do the odd one. <laughs> yeah, but they finally sort of worked out what it is he does, which is he goes, I want to give people the chance to do art because it's brilliant and they might love it. I love creating art and I do it whenever and wherever I can. But most people haven't picked up a paintbrush or a pencil since they left school. Can I convince complete novices to get into art? And so he goes to a paint factory in Ashington in Northumberland. They, they had a weird stat. They said they make enough paint per year for everyone in the UK to paint three of their rooms. We make um, about a million litres a week in a year. That's the equivalent of everybody in the UK to redecorate three of their rooms. And Yeah. 
where's all that paint going? Because that's a, that's too much paint. Like no one is close to doing three rooms a year unless someone's doing three hundred to take care of ten people's worth. I mean, it just made no sense. It's too no. much paint. Stop making mm. it. It's probably why they can afford to let their employees just paint for a day. Just paint. But what was interesting about it was obviously it was a it was a, a paint factory that made you know, absolute household paint. But but because they worked in a paint factory, it's well, let's let them paint portraits. Yeah. So they've got this old yeah. miner who used to be working the mines on the site where this factory now is. Uh, and I thought those paintings were pretty bloody good. They were phenomenal. Employees. Were. I was all yeah, ready to go. What a waste of time and what so a stupid I. thing yeah. to have a day. Where there was people coming out and saying, I've never drawn, sketched or painted anything in my life. And I they thought, were amazing. You've never drawn anything in your life. You've never even uh, it's do- incredible. doodled. This is we old me comfort zone. I've never, never drawn, sketched or painted anything in my life. So... It'll be interesting to see what comes up at the end of it. Every single yeah. one of those paintings. I mean, I mean, the, the the ones that in any other one of these films would have been the best one that you'd go, okay, I can see that's a human face. Were the worst on this, and the, <laughs> some of them were like fucking brilliant, sort of cubist masterpieces. I know, phenomenal. There were about three I, of them I'm, that were like, I'd happily buy those. The three, three are yeah. really good. I'm just glad like Ian kept his clothes on. That's all. He got that memo. He didn't like you go for life painting or something. <laughs> just a naked miner, just, old bloke. Those pictures would look a lot different, I tell you. I just couldn't believe that this worked. You know, I was all ready for this to have, again, a really shitty end where three of the people just went, well, I'm never doing that again because it was crap. And then they showed them and someone (laughs) went, I'm really pleased with mine. And it looked like a cauliflower, you know, that's been pushed through a letterbox. But (laughs) my God, they were good. um, The guy in the purple shirt who said, I've never painted before. I'm completely out of my comfort zone. I have no idea what I'm doing. And his looked awesome. Oh, like, it was wow. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, do you think, yeah, actually, well done, looking back now, do you think we're thinking these pictures of faces were good because we just spent 28 minutes looking at Matt Goss's face? <laughs> is, that, is that a reason? <laughs> this is good. I love what I'm seeing. I love the first-hand impression of the way he's captured the shadow pattern here. Ooh. I'm watching it. I was actually sort of going, oh, I'd love to do some painting. That, to get that response out of anything from the one show, that it ends and you go, I'd like to do that. Rather than going, I, I, I did wish watch I'd not seen that. <laughs> the other film that made me not want to do it was the Running the Marathon film. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. These men share a unique bond. The pain is always there. Why do we do it? Because after the pain comes the satisfaction. Here they are, shoulder They've shoulder. each entered and completed every single London marathon since it began in 1981. Just some There's old men wives. who'd run the marathon every year since 1981 or whatever it was when the first London marathon happened, and they'd done it every year since, oh, yeah. and they were doing it again, and they were just some slow old men. And well done them. I mean, utterly commendable. Yeah, well done. My favourite line marathon. was... Uh, but, but, my my favourite marathon yeah. was 2005. My favourite marathon is definitely 2005. <laughs> 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 of course, a fine vintage. Really, I mean, that, but there was band. nothing to this film, was there? No. The no. only bit I concerned me was, that, as I say, about their poor wives, was the fact that you know they organised their childbirth. Oh, to that was not mad. Coincide. So with the marathon. Th- these are ten guys. The they, they're known as the ever presence because they've run in every single London marathon since 1981 when it started. 
And as they say, it's a group that, you know, you can't get new admissions to. You can only have people drop out of it. One of the guys who was there, his, his wife, as you say, Alex, said, running in his life, everything is engineered around it. And she mentioned that their kids were born at points so it wouldn't interfere with the London Marathon. Chris is 100% dedicated to the marathon and all running. He, it, it is his life totally and utterly. Everything is engineered around it. And even to the point that when we had our three children, as best we could, we made sure that they were born not to actually interfere with the marathon. That is not normal and to celebrate it it's go ah ha ha romantic is it no i mean romantic at all if you were like if if you said oh you know and and he he made sure that his kids weren't born when star trek was you know the new series was out people would go oh you're a disgusting human being you know you (laughs) you just you'd bully them you'd bully them and for some reason because it's running everyone just goes oh isn't it admirable isn't it amazing i thought i thought the the man seemed demented (laughs) (laughs) completely completely it's the guy who he broke his arm during the marathon oh yeah that was when he perked up for me the film when the bloke broke his arm yeah (laughs) Yeah, madness and then he carried on my slowest london marathon was 2018 when i fell after three miles and broke my arm in four places um and came in in 354 um at that stage i'd run 37 london marathons and there was no way i wasn't going to get to the finishing line to complete the 38 again if someone said i was watching i was watching the new series of star trek you know the next generation and i broke my arm (laughs) three minutes in and then I watched the next 56 minutes bleeding on the floor. You'd go, you know, you, you, you're you going to be sectioned. You are going to be sectioned. In no, the marathon, no, no. everyone's the like, oh, is, what a hero. No, yeah, three miles in, Ow. fell over and broke his broke his arm and then just carried on running with, you know, like one of those farmers who picks up his limb after it's come off in a threshing accident. <laughs> <laughs> but three minutes into a Star Trek episode and you broke your arm, what are you doing? <laughs> we all know what those dirty devils are doing. Oh, man. <laughs> the, the, the thing I did like about that is they showed some vintage footage of the marathon back in the day in the 80s. And you, you do forget that, like, the 80s, it was like living in East Berlin. And the weather was yeah. worse. Everybody, like, all runs took place through, like, abandoned industrial wastelands. And it, oh. it, it was so awful to see how Britain used to look that it was hard not to look outside and go, it's actually quite nice to be alive in 2021, isn't it? You know? <laughs> yeah, it's lots of bad now. Um, I'll just, uh, there's the, the other bit of Chris Packham that I thought was quite telling was when they, uh, they asked a question of, of them both. Uh, and Meg, the, the daughter, started to, to answer it. And Packham just steamrolled her out of the way mm. by answering it in for her. And the look on her face... Amazing stuff. Now, it's a wildlife series with a difference, though, uh, because obviously on top of all the beautiful locations you guys get to explore, you discuss other subjects such as modern families and mental health. Now, the show is completely unscripted, so I'm assuming this is something just kind of evolved naturally. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, we're different ages, obviously, and different sexes, and we wanted to explore the way that, you know, we should have a a massive common interest in in the environment and the natural world. She just looked pissed off like, fucking hell, here we go again. I've had to spend months in in an electric camper van, although not at night, with this bloke. And it's been really irritating because he just won't let me get a word in edgeways. She had that slight thing of being excited to be on television and being very good at presenting and everything, but, you know, she literally forgot who the daddy was. Chris Packham has been doing this for more years than she's been alive it's it's all very well that you you get yourself over but please do not do it at the expense of your stepfather chris motherfucker packham tell your friends about our little podcast tell strangers stand on street corners and preach about it like one of those weird jesus people as is written in the book of matt baker chapter 4 verse 8 
If anything is excellent and if anything is admirable, focus your thoughts on these things. All that is true, all that is holy, all that is just, all that is pure, all that is lovely, and all that is worthy of praise. But not the one show, for thou'st mighty God has sent this as a punishment, much like plagues or boils. But if you can remember to spread the holy word of the good work we do on the The One Show Show, then we shall be truly thankful. Amen. But while you're remembering to do that, also remember this and remember it well. When you look at the television to look at The One Show, The One Show also looks back into you. Goodbye. It's an S-Pod thing. The podcast revisiting S-Club 7's insane TV show. Yeah, I can't imagine anyone's binge-watched this. Anyone who's not on drugs. <laughs> Thank you for bringing this into my life. Uh, it was honestly <laughs> truly appalling. Guests helped me analyse the show in more detail than anyone ever asked for. It feels weird to me to say the phrase sex object in a show that <laughs> was aimed at six-year-olds. Do you think, do you think this one of the problems of this show is that seven is too much? It's an S-Pod thing from Great Big Owl. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.